0: You know, we learned from Elisha last week that that when there's this invitation to follow, we have to consider some things as as we're choosing to follow a discipler, as we're we're ultimately choosing to follow Christ. It's going to cost us something to follow the Lord. And and so Elisha, Elisha, you know, he, he kind of initially said, well, you know, Elijah, let me go kiss my father and mother, then I'll follow you. And many times we do that. There's priorities that have to be rearranged to follow Christ and to follow a discipler. Uh, then he goes back and he takes that yoke of oxen that he was plowing with and, and he slaughters the oxen and he breaks apart the plow. He has a big barbecue and then he then he chooses to go follow Elijah. So he, he counted the cost of himself, what it would cost him. He counted the cost of walk, walking away from his family to, to become what God wanted him to be. He counted the cost of his career because that yoke of oxen that he plowed with, that was his livelihood. And and in all likelihood, he would have inherited that field and those servants from his father. But he walked away from that to follow what God had for him. And then he, he counted the cost of pursuit because after Elijah put that mantle on him, Elijah kept going. He didn't, he didn't wait for the answer. He didn't wait for, for Elisha to kind of work through the details. Elijah had a ministry to fulfill and Elisha had to count the cost of, of catching up and following Elijah which leads us this morning to 1 Kings chapter 20. All that happened in 1 Kings chapter 19. And what's interesting is for the next several chapters in your Bible, leading up into 2 Kings, there's not another mention of Elisha made. God's word doesn't record anything about Elisha specifically other than he pursued Elijah. And so God's word is kind of silent on Elisha's ministry at this point. And, and here's where we're going to focus our message this morning, because during Elisha's time of following Elijah, Elijah continued to minister. So, so where the word of God is silent on Elisha's ministry, well, God's word is still very vocal on Elijah's ministry. And so, what we're going to see this morning is that that as it relates to to becoming a disciple of Jesus, having the mantle passed. To us, and, and then us as disciple makers passing the mantle to the next generation. Biblical, here's your first point for study. Biblical discipleship begins with following. It begins with following. And so God's word tells us in 1 Kings 19 and verse 21, it's on the screen. After Elijah invited Elisha to follow, the Bible says in verse 21, then he arose and he went after Elijah. Listen, and he ministered unto him. Okay? And and you really don't understand what that means until you get into second Kings chapter three, because, because ministering to the prophet, ministering to Elijah, well, here's what it meant: these these guys from the, the school of the prophets, they said, Here is Elisha the son of Shaphat, which poured water on the hands of Elijah. In other words, for these chapters where 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 God's word is silence on Elisha's ministry. Elisha is serving. He's ministering to Elijah, and, and that equates to, to pouring water on his hands. In other words, he's just a servant. That sounds real glorious, doesn't it? It sounds like something you just want to sign up and say, man, God's called me into the ministry, and, and then God says, okay, well, if God's called you into the ministry, here's what you do. Go get a bucket and pour, pour water on the prophet's hands so that he can eat lunch without being, being dirty. How about you go do that? All right. I didn't sign up for that. Give me a glorious job. Give me a glorious ministry. Give me a glorious responsibility. Friends, we got to learn to follow first before God can ever use us. And so Elisha had to learn to follow Elijah. He had to learn to submit to him. He had to learn to serve him. And again, God's, God's word is, is very silent on Elisha's ministry, but we know that he's pouring hands, pouring water on, on, Elisha's, on Elijah's hands. Well, let's look at what God's word says about Elijah's ministry because, because God's word's not silent. Let's go to 1 Kings chapter 21 and let's look at verses 17 to 19 because what we're going to see this morning is how Elisha followed and what he observed while he was following. 1 Kings 21, look at verse 17. It's on the screen if you, if you didn't bring a Bible this morning. Look at verse 17. The Bible says, and the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite, saying, Arise, go down to meet Ahab, king of Israel, which is in Samaria. Behold, he is in the vineyard of Naboth, whether he has gone down to possess it. And thou shalt speak unto him, saying, Thus saith the Lord, Hast thou killed and also taken possession? And thou shalt speak unto him, Thus saith the Lord, In the place where the dogs lick the blood of Naboth, shall dogs lick thy blood Even thine. And and, and if you need the backstory, Ahab is the wicked king of Israel. He's gone to take uh, possession of a vineyard that was not his, Naboth's vineyard. And uh, his wife Jezebel had Naboth killed. And so now God is going to send Elijah to confront King Ahab and, and, and basically rebuke him in the name of the Lord. But remember, this man named Elisha is ministering unto Elijah. He's serving him. He's pouring water on his hands. In other words, wherever Elijah is going, Elisha will be with him because he chose to follow. So here's the point. Look, look, Eli- God calls Elijah to go speak God's word to Ahab, and the Bible says that he went he went to confront Ahab. And so here's a key principle concerning following. While Elisha was following, Elijah, Elijah, uh, excuse me, Elisha witnessed Elijah following God's word. In other words, Elisha had a flesh and blood example of somebody who was walking with God. He had a flesh and blood example of someone following God's word. And, And every Christian in this house needs to witness someone else following God's word. You need a flesh and blood example of what obedience to God's word really looks like. You need to follow someone following God's word so you can learn to follow God's word. Does that make sense? That's why in this church we have such a strong emphasis on discipleship. If you come to this church on Sunday morning, thank God you're here. But you need a flesh and blood example in your life, a connection, a ministry partner, someone willing to invest in you that can live out their faith visibly so that you can learn from. You need to follow somebody that is following God's word. Well, the apostle Paul understood this. First Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16, when he's writing to the Corinthian church, Paul writes and he says, Wherefore I beseech you, Corinthians, be ye followers of Jesus. Well, that's a good thing to follow Jesus. Amen. You guys okay with that statement? But Paul said, I want you to be you followers of who? Me. You say, well, Jay, I'm going to figure this thing out on my own, man. I I follow the Lord and the Lord alone. Well, friend, if that's your attitude, you need to read the New Testament, all of it. And, And by the way, throw in the Old Testament too. Because God always uses people that are following other people. If you're going to follow the Lord, God's going to ordain some people in your life to follow that are real flesh and blood. He's going to give you an example to follow. You say, well, Jay, I come to church. Well, that doesn't mean you're following anybody other than yourself to church. You you could be here, you could come to Sunday school, but you're not really following anyone. I really thought I'd get an amen right there. That's okay. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 1, be you followers of me, even as I am also of Christ. So Paul said, I'm following Christ. You need to follow me. I'm following Christ. If you follow me, we're all going to get to where we need to get. We're going to be equipped. We're going to do the ministry together. And so listen, Elisha got to see Elijah respond to God's word. God came, God's word came to Elijah and said, arise go down to Ahab and confront him. And he did. And to a young prophet-to-be, there's a living example of somebody that's following God's word. You see, you see, you follow a follower. You don't follow a faker. You don't follow a faker. Now, if you're not following God's word in your life, nobody needs to follow you. But you need to latch on to somebody that's living out their faith. And and that goes beyond just coming to church. That that goes beyond just coming to Sunday school. You need to have a a, a connection with a person in this church that is a mentor, that's a discipler, that is is able to live out their faith in a practical way so that you can see flesh and blood example, so that you can become a flesh and blood example of a true disciple of Christ. And let me just say this, listen, who you're walking with is going to determine your destination. So in other words, Proverbs 13 and verse 20 says this, he that walketh with wise men shall be wise. In other words, they may not be wise yet, but if you'll start following some wise men, you'll you'll become wise. If you'll start following some people that are living out their faith, that that are obedient to God, that are following Christ and and by the way, those guys are following other men that are godly examples in their life. If you'll get on that train of fellowship, well, well, God's word says you'll head in the right direction. But a companion of fools shall be destroyed. And so whoever you're following, listen, you say, Jesus, is too simple. Give me some, some deeper doctrine. You don't need it any deeper. <laughs> there has to be somebody in your life. That God has put in your life, a disciple or a mentor, a pastor, or a spiritual leader, that you can say, that's the guy I'm following. That's the lady I'm following. And by the way, if I were to ask them if you were following, would they say yes or no? Because that person that you say you're following, if they look behind them and you're not there, then you're not really following. I have had people, man, listen, I'm, we, we love discipleship at this church, and, and, and listen, uh, we, we're going to always love it by the grace of God, as long as I'm your pastor. Uh, but, but I get a little nervous when people say, well, so-and-so discipled me, so-and-so discipled me, so-and-so discipled me. When I start hearing that, I get real nervous because I want to ask the question, are you still following them? Are you still following them? Are they still living out their faith in front of you? And are you still following their example? So you don't wear it as a label, you don't wear it as some checkbox or, or achievement that so-and-so discipled you. The question is, are you following? Well, I just follow Jesus. Okay, well, you just missed the whole first five minutes of this sermon. We need a follower to follow. There are men in my life that are mentors, that are accountability partners, that are pastors, that are leaders, that I meet with and I pray with and I ask questions and I try to live out faith the way I see live, them living out faith. Why? Because we're all called to follow. We're all called to follow. Okay, so so let's go to the second kind of characteristic that we see in Elisha's life, of what he sees in Elijah. If we go to First Kings chapter twenty-one and pick it up in verse twenty, it's on the screen. So that kind of the next section we'll look at. Ahab said to Elijah. So so you know Elijah's there in front of Ahab. Hast thou found me, O mine enemy? And he, Elijah answered. He said, I found thee because thou hast sold thyself to work evil in the sight of the Lord. Behold, I will bring evil upon thee, and will take away thy posterity. And I will cut off Ahab from Ahab, him that pisseth against the wall. That's some strong language. And him that is shut up and left in Israel. And I will make thine house like the house of Jeroboam, the son of Nebad, and like the house of Basha, the son of Ahijah, for the provocation wherewith thou hast provoked me to anger and made Israel to sin. And of Jezebel... In other words, your wife, (laughs) I got a word from God for her too, and of Jezebel also spake the Lord, saying, The dogs shall eat Jezebel by the wall of Jezreel. Him that dieth of Ahab in the city, the dogs shall eat, and him that dieth in the field shall the fowls of air eat. But there was none like unto Ahab, which did sell himself to work wickedness in the sight of the Lord, whom Jezebel his wife stirred up. He did very abominably. And following idols, according to all uh, all things, as did the Amorites, which the Lord cast out before the children of Israel. Uh, that was a pretty hard message from the prophet Elijah to Ahab, but he spoke exactly what God told him to speak. Right, and, and, and so here's the key in your notes. Look, while following Elijah, Elisha witnessed. Elijah speaking God's word. He he, he witnessed Elijah speaking God's word. And so listen, if we are going to follow and and receive the mantle that God, God wants to pass into our life, we have to have somebody to follow and we have to find someone that's speaking God's word. The people that you follow need to have a, a, a verbalization of God's word coming out of their mouth on a consistent basis. We need to speak and teach God's word. Amen. Romans chapter 10 and verse 8, the Bible says this, but what saith it? And I understand the gospel context of this, but, but just catch the practical application. What saith it? The word is nigh thee, even where? In thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. Listen, are the people that you are following, do they have God's word coming out of their mouth? And do they have God's word coming out of their heart? Because the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. How do you know if someone, someone's heart is full of God's word? It comes out of their mouth. And we have to follow somebody. Listen, Elisha is witnessing his mentor, his discipler. He's witnessing Elijah speak God's word. Even when it's not popular, even, even when it's a little confrontational, he's seeing him faithful with God's word. He's not speaking his opinion, his political preferences, his tradition. He's speaking, thus saith the Lord. And God help us to be a church of people that love God's word so much that that's what we speak. That's what we share. That's what we speak into certain situations. Jeremiah 1.9 says this, Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. Now listen, that was a cool thing that happened to Jeremiah. You're going to have to read it and study it to get it. But the point is, Jeremiah's words were God's words. Elijah's words were God's words. That's the kind of person that God has called all of us to follow, someone that has God's words flowing out of his or her mouth. And you know the danger in our culture of Christianity, number one, is that there's a famine of God's words. There's just a famine of God's words. In Christianity, there's a famine of speaking God's words, and, and I'll tell you, the second problem is that there's a famine of hearing God's word, and, and we have a problem in our 21st century culture of Christianity. You see, if we're not careful, we'll become like the men of Athens, and I, I'm not talking about Athens over yonder. I'm talking about Athens, Greece, okay? So if you kinfolk are over there, I'm not talking about them yet. You know, when Paul went through Athens and and began preaching the gospel, uh, God's Word records something very interesting of those men of Athens. It says in Acts 17 and verse 21 that all the Athenians and the strangers uh, which were there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing. I mean, this is the Old Testament Facebook and Twitter right here. Do you understand? I mean, the Athenians just wasted their time... Uh, they they couldn't they couldn't scroll through their iphone they just scrolled through the scrolls you know what i'm saying so uh, they wasted their time with nothing but telling of stories and hearing of stories with no substance and paul goes in and he preaches the gospel and uh, some of them were just like ah oh, that's just another new thing and some responded and paul left <laughs> i mean listen our culture in christianity is that we have gotten to the point that we just want to hear and tell some new thing instead of hear God's word. We'll settle for watered-down fable storytelling instead of the preaching of God's word. We can't endure sound doctrine where we rightly divide it. We want to hear something to make us feel good. And, and listen, I'm all about feeling good. You know, I like to feel good, especially when I get hit in the head with a two-by-four. But we need the whole counsel of God's word in our heart and life. We need to know and hear from God. It's God's word. Let's don't minimize the God behind the word. He is God. Amen? And we need to hear his word. And, and, and so Paul warned the, the elders at Ephesus in Acts chapter 20. He says, you know what? Of your own cells shall men arise speaking what kind of things? Perverse things to draw away disciples after them. Instead of of desiring to hear God's word and and men and women that speak God's word, well, there was a group of people that Paul said are coming, and by the way, they are here, that pervert and speak perverse things with the intention of drawing away disciples from the Lord Jesus Christ to themselves. Paul warned Timothy that there's going to be a time where people are going to turn from the truth of God's word to fables. Let me read it to you. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3-4. to four. Paul writes and he says, For the time will come, and in your margin you can write, is now. The time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers, not preachers, having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto what? Fables. Tell me an imaginary fictional story that somehow I can relate to in my, practically in my life. You don't need that. You don't need fables. You need God's word. We need to, we need to re- receive God's word into our heart and life. Listen, it's by God's word that, that the gospel comes alive. It's the gospel according to the scriptures. It's God's word that strengthens us, sustains us. It gives us our spiritual nourishment. It is the word of God that we're to go and teach and preach. Peter said in 2nd Peter chapter 1 verse 16, "We have not followed cunningly devised fables." Have you? Have you? Well, let me tell you how you have or haven't. You're either following God's word or you're not. And and if you're not following it, well you're following something else and it might as well be a fable. Cunningly devised, and and you can search that out to see who cunningly devises such things. You know, Peter is a pretty solid disciple and apostle of Jesus. Peter walked with Jesus. He heard Jesus teach. He heard Jesus preach. He was on the Mount of Transfiguration when Jesus was glorified. Peter, James, and John were there. I mean, he heard God's voice, audible voice from heaven. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Peter heard all of those things. He had all those experiences. And in 2 Peter chapter 1, just a few verses later, he says, you know what? The scripture is more powerful and authoritative than any of those things. We need God's word. The point is we have to have God's word. And so listen, are the people that you follow, are they speaking God's word? And if they're not speaking that, what are they speaking <laughs> their opinion, their tradition, everybody's got an answer for everything in life, every question in life, the, the, the real, where the rubber meets the road is the people that can take that book out and answer it according to book, chapter, and verse. That's what we got to have. Man, how do, what does God's word say about this situation in my life? Well, Elisha surrounded himself and was willing to follow a man that was speaking God's word. Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to follow number 1? Are you are you willing to receive God's word into your life as authoritative? Not not your experiences, not your opinion, not your tradition. And listen, I know we're all Christians in here, right? And we're all Christians in Alabama because we live in the Bible Belt, but at some point, we got to get to the point where we say what saith the Lord. We need to check our religion at the door, our, our tradition at the door and get back to a biblically based Christianity. Amen. Let's look at this third thing because we're almost out of time. This third thing in, in, in Elisha's life that he sees out of Elijah. 1 Kings 21, verse 27. So the Bible says, all right, so, so Eli- Elijah has preached this, this word of the Lord to Ahab. Here's this message of, of judgment that God's going to bring on you, Ahab, because you're wicked. The Bible says in verse 27, it came to pass when Ahab heard those words, that he said, that's just your opinion. <laughs> well, that's just what your church teaches. No. The Bible says that he rent his clothes. In other words, he, he ripped apart his clothing and he put on sackcloth upon his flesh. By the way, if you read the Old Testament, that's a, that's a sign of humility and mourning and repentance. And The Bible says that he fasted and he lay in sackcloth and he went softly. And the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite, saying, See thou how Ahab humbleth himself before me. Because he humbleth himself before me, I will not bring the evil in his days, but in his son's days will I bring the evil upon this house. So if you read that story, yeah, it seems like it's just Elijah and Ahab, but we already know that Elisha is Elijah's minister his servant. And just like Joshua followed Moses from a distance, I guarantee you Elisha is following Elijah. And now he's seeing the impact of God's word in a man's life. In other words, what Elijah now witnesses is response to the preaching of God's word. Elisha gets to see when God's word is preached and taught as God intended, well, there should be a response and Ahab's response was humility it was repentance it was it was putting on sackcloth it was fasting it was laying down and humbling himself before God almighty so Ahab's response to God's word it wasn't based on Elijah's presentation it wasn't based on how cool slides he had it wasn't based on three points in a poem at the end it wasn't based on his seeker friendly approach or his hell and fire and brimstone message it was just based on the authority of God's word. It wasn't based on the messenger, it was based on the message. He responded to the message. What do you respond to? Ahab trembled at God's word. I think sometimes when we leave church on Sunday morning, man, we have a scorecard of how well the preacher did. I'm just saying in general, in Christianity, uh, it's eight today, eight and a half, definitely a six today. Listen, man, if you start looking at the messenger instead of the message, you've missed it. You've missed it. And I don't know where your heart is, but man, you come into this church or any other church and, and A, you, we talked about this in Sunday school, you pray and desire to, to hear God's word in your life, well, the Holy Spirit of God is big enough to speak to you and bring his word. And it's interesting that when we come humble and we ask for, for God to speak to us, then, then many times God gives us exactly what we need when we need it, even though the preacher hadn't been e- reading your email or riding in your car or listening to your cell phone conversations or stalking you on Facebook. God gives us exactly what we need when we need it, when we desire it. And, and many times when we don't have that attitude, well, we don't get what we need when we need it. Isaiah 66, uh, let me give you the, 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 the point in your blank is this. While following, Elisha witnessed the response to the preaching of God's word. In other words, he saw a man preach God's word and he saw the response to God's word. And we're going somewhere with that in just a second. Ministry hinges on the authority of God's word, not the messenger. God uses broken people. God uses imperfect people. If you're waiting for a perfect sermon from a perfect pastor, you're going to be waiting a long time. But I know that this book is perfect. I know the Holy Spirit of God is perfect. I know Jesus Christ is perfect. And his word for my life should be as authoritative as if he is standing here speaking it himself. And when we have that attitude, when we come to church and this book is open and we humble ourselves before God's word, well, God can do something in our heart and life. Isaiah 66 and verse two says this, for all the things Uh, hath mine hand made, this is the Lord talking, and those things have been, saith the Lord, but to this man will I look. Do you want God to look in your direction? Here it comes. God's fixing to tell you, to the man whom, whom he will look. But to this man will I look, even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit, and trembleth at my word. Not criticize it, not doubt it, not have faith in it, The man that trembles at my word, I can look upon him. And and I can do something in his heart and life because he's willing to receive it. He's willing to to turn his feet, as the psalmist says Psalm 119 and verse 59. The psalmist says, I thought on my ways and I turned my feet to thy testimonies. Why? Because the sermon was good? No, because it's God's word. It's God's word. And so listen, as a disciple of Christ, we need to follow someone who is following the Lord. We need to hear someone that speaks God's word into our life. And thirdly, we have to have a right response to God's word. And so Elisha is learning from Elijah that in order to do ministry, it's always accomplished by the power and authority of God's word. That's why we invest God's word heavily into so many people. That's why we ask you to read your Bible. That's why we ask you to memorize verses. That's why we teach expositionally, because the power is in God's word. Not in my opinion, not in your opinion, not in my tradition, not in your traditions, not in my political stance or in yours. God made a powerful promise in Isaiah 55 and verse 11. This is in my heart and mind every time I stand up and open my mouth concerning God's word, whether it's preaching, whether it's discipling, whether it's witnessing to somebody I just met and had the chance to preach the gospel, this is in my heart and mind. God's word promises, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. God's word doesn't return void, church. It doesn't return void. If we'll receive it, if we'll respond to it, if we'll repent, if we'll humble ourselves, and as a a good minister, if we'll make the Word of God the focal point of ministry, God's Word can do the work. And And if I do the work, it's really not good ministry. And if you do it, it ain't good ministry either. God's Word has to have a working out in our lives so that we can become more like Christ. Well, What's interesting is, when when you read Elijah's ministry, and and when he calls Elisha to follow him, and there's kind of silence, right, on Elisha for a few chapters, that's very similar to Jesus and the 12 disciples. And so I'm going to give you a New Testament uh, survey real quick in the book of Matthew. You can turn to Matthew 4 if you want, but, but Elisha's discipleship process was very similar to what Jesus did with the 12 disciples. And when I said earlier that discipleship is all the way through the Bible, it's in the Old Testament, it's in the New Testament. Why? Because it is the way God called us to do ministry. And so in Matthew chapter 4, you can scan through the verses, but in Matthew chapter 4, several verses, Jesus calls the disciples, Peter and Andrew, and he calls James and John, and he says, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Very similar to Elijah casting his mantle. On Elisha. You guys see the the connection, the the similarity. Then for the next three chapters: Matthew 5, Matthew chapter 6, Matthew chapter 7, there's no mention of those disciples doing anything. There's a whole lot of mention of Jesus teaching and preaching. He taught the Sermon on the Mount. And in that sermon and those three chapters, Jesus referenced your father, your heavenly father, the father. He mentions the father over 17 times in those three chapters. Why did he mention the father so much in his teaching? Because that's who Jesus was following. John chapter 4 and verse 34, Jesus said to them, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. So the Lord Jesus Christ invited those 12 disciples to follow him. Oh, by the way, he was following the will of the Father. You follow followers. You don't follow fakers. You follow followers. And so, and so that's Jesus modeled that for us in the New Testament. Then you get to Matthew chapter 8. And let me just give you the breakdown real quick there's a healing of a leper, there's a healing of the centurion serpent, there's a healing of Peter's mother-in-law, there was healings of many that were possessed with devils, those that were sick. He calmed the stormy winds while they were at sea in the ship. He cast out two devils from the man who was among the tombs, and he cast them into the swine. What did the disciples do? Nothing. They just witnessed his ministry. They witnessed him speaking God's word. And by the way, God's word, Jesus' word, has all authority. It has all authority over sickness. It has all authority over disease. It has all authority over creation. And his word has all authority over the spiritual realm. He is God. And his word is authoritative. And, And so those disciples, very similarly to Elisha, got to see the one they were following speaking God's word and the authority that it had. Well, then you get to Matthew chapter nine, and for time's sake, I'm not going to ask you to read it, but but in Matthew chapter nine, the Bible says that that Jesus forgave the man who, who had the palsy, and he forgave him of his sins. Not just the palsy, he forgave him of his sins He calls Matthew to follow. He he heals the ruler's daughter by raising her from the dead. He healed the woman who had the issue of blood for 12 years. He healed two blind men. He cast out a devil from a a, a possessed man and he prayed for the harvest. In other words, in Matthew chapter 9, those disciples got to see the response to God's word. Just like Elisha saw Ahab's response to Elijah's word, it's the same. It's all the way, it's, it's just the same all the way through. Then and only then, Matthew chapter 10 shows up, and let me just read it to you. Matthew 4 was the call, Matthew 10 was the send. The Bible says in Matthew 10 verse 5, These twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles, and into any city of the Samaritans, enter ye not, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as ye go, listen, Preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils, freely have received, freely give. I'm not trying to be a smart aleck. Matthew 10 comes after Matthew chapter 4. And after Matthew 5. And after Matthew 6 and 7 and 8 and 9. The point is, biblical discipleship starts with following, it starts with following. And some of us, listen, the reality is some of us have just never made the decision to follow. We've just never made the decision to follow. I didn't say you didn't come to church, I didn't say you didn't come to Sunday school. But there's nobody in some of our lives that is the flesh and blood example of Jesus Christ, that's the flesh and blood example of Paul, that's the flesh and blood example of Elijah. There's nobody in our life that we could say personally, that's who I'm following. And we wonder why we never get to Matthew chapter 10, because we've never followed. And for some of us this morning, this morning needs to be the day we decide to follow. We need, we need to surround ourselves with people that are following God. So go through your friend list, go through the time that you spend with the most people in your, in your week, and ask the question, are these people following God? And, and by the way, that includes your flesh and blood family. God called Elisha from his family to become a prophet of God. These men in Matthew 4 left their father and their ships to follow the Lord. And I'm just telling you, church, until we decide to follow a follower, well, we'll never get to the place where God can use us in ministry. And you can sit in church 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years. We can put the P by your name that you're present, and you can give and give and give and give and, and, and do the things. But, 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 but listen, those are all wonderful things. But if you don't become a person worth following a person that speaks God's word and a person that continually responds to God's word, you, you're, not, you're not really a disciple yourself, which means that nobody needs to follow you. God help us to be followers.